Lord, serve nation. I got a question for you. Have you ever felt like an outcast? And if you've never felt like an outcast, have you ever seen one that you might recognize? Maybe you've had that experience, maybe not. But today we're going to be talking a little bit about that. We're in a series called Broken for Us. This is uh, where we're headed. There we go. Uh, we've talked about covenant and cost. Today we're talking about community. We're going to take this all the way through Lent. It's a good time and a good season to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. He literally was broken for us. And so the question that I always love to ask is, to what end? Why would he break himself for the likes of me? Well, the answer is for life abundant. But how do we get there? Well, today we get there through community. Maybe you've had this experience, maybe you haven't, but uh, have you ever been that bird on the wire? <laughs> Let me tell you about a time that I had this, this experience. Uh, I was at a, a challenge course, uh, the ropes course thing, and they did this exercise. We, we were waiting for lunch. It wasn't quite prepared yet. And so the facilitator had, took out a deck of cards, and he separated them carefully. And he said, all right, I'm going to walk around. I'm going to put a card on your forehead. You have to hold it right here. It's facing out, and you don't know what it says. So you just stay like this. You have no idea what, what's on your forehead. And now I, what I want you to do, there was about 20 of us, I guess. He said, I want you to form teams of three. And I want you to form the best team that you can form. Go. And so immediately we all start walking around. And I tell you, it was a humbling experience. I didn't know what was on my forehead, but I saw some visceral reactions. So immediately I'm looking, okay, where's the king? Where's the king? Okay, I'm going to go talk to the king. King saw me coming and went like this, literally. <laughs> I'm not joking. I was like, but what? <laughs> I was like, okay, well, the king has got an issue, apparently. Where's the queen? queen. So I looked at the queen, and she immediately did the don't make eye contact. I was like, uh-oh, I don't think I have a very good card. I was like, Jack? I couldn't find the Jack, so I'll take 10, 10. 10 was one of my best buddies. I was going up, I was going like, hey, man, I was going to high-five him, and he went this, and he saw the card, and he literally froze, like, like he'd been in the Matrix or something, right? I was like, all right, what is going on here? And, and and he at least talked to me. It's like, hey, man, how you doing? It's like, hey, you want to form a team? It's like, you know, kind of got this other idea going on. You know, I got so many things to take care of. I don't really have time for you, you know. And so uh, we formed the teams. And only after the teams were formed did I realize what was on my forehead. Any guesses? Joker. Two. Yeah, he took the jokers out of the deck, or that might have been it. Yeah, oh, this guy looks like a joker. Yeah, give him the card, yeah. No, it was two. I was the two of the crowd. No wonder no one wanted to talk to me. Guess who I ended up at the table with? Three and four. Yeah, we were a strong team. <laughs> this was so awesome. <laughs> and uh, it was made worse because he prefaced this by saying, whoever forms the best team gets to sit at the king's table and gets to eat first. And oh, by the way, we've got 20 of you, but we've got 10 cookies. So whoever sits at the king's table gets the cookies. I was crushed. I mean, literally, in my spirit, I was crushed, not about the cookies, but about the fact that my best buddy, number 10 there, was willing to shirk me for the likes of nine and eight. <laughs> it was just wrong, right? So I felt very rejected, very dejected, and I was like, man, I'm never coming back to this place. It's a ripoff, right? I don't get any cookies. I feel dejected. What's not to love? Man, send me home. Sign me up. But I felt like what it was like to be that outcast, that one that no one wanted to talk to. Now, I've had other experiences in my life where, you know, maybe get picked last for the team, 
Um, mine was my brothers always kicked me off their coloring books. That I told this story before, I think. But they, they are like, seriously, professional artists. I'll bring some of their artwork sometime. Some of it's hanging in the Strategic Air Museum. That's how good they are. I did not inherit that gene. I can't even draw flies, folks. I, I can draw nothing. And so when I would get onto their coloring books, they would go, mm, no. <laughs> and they would take it back. I'm like, what? I didn't understand. I know what it's like to feel rejection, and maybe you do too. But that's not the question I want to deal with as much this morning as is, what does Jesus have to say about that? Because, you know, we, we talk about not rejecting people. We talk about getting together. And, and I wonder, should we then feel bad because we have friends? Uh, should we feel bad because we have a community that we can work and laugh and trust and, and support each other in? I don't think we should feel bad, but how should I feel? It's a question that keeps nagging me. So... What does Jesus have to say about community is the question I want to ask today. Now, I want to show you a picture. This is not just Jesus. This is action Jesus. Yeah. Anybody know what he's doing here? <laughs> he's not waving the towel at the Pittsburgh Steelers game. <laughs> no, he is cleansing the temple. This is the one time that Jesus gets physical. Usually he just combats people with words. This is Literal turning over of tables, whip of cords, driving people out of his temple. He's angry. What got him so angry? You know what the answer is? Community. Community drove him to this. Let's see what's going on. We're going to be reading in John chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. And two questions today. I think you've graduated. You can handle more than one. <laughs> As I read this, I want you to ask yourself, what's Jesus' motive behind what he's doing here? And then reflect, what's my motive when it comes to community? This is the way it goes. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords. He drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Jesus gets physical. He drives people out. He overturns tables. He, he whips people with cord. He's angry. And it's all about community. Now, I find a couple of things curious. Uh, he sees this happening in the, the courtyard, the outer court. Uh, when he does this, all of the things he does is, is action words. But for some reason, John records words that he said, to who? He said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Who did he say that to? 
the drug dealers. Why? What is it about doves that makes him so angry? Stay tuned. We're going to talk about that. So what is it that's going on here? It is all about community. It's Jesus and community. Here's, here's how we're going to break this apart. We're going to come through three main sections here. The first is this happens in the outer courtyard. It's also called the court of the Gentiles. Now, this is um, the Facebook profile of the temple. And we have the outer courts. You can see the, the big patio-like area. And then once you get inside that, that second wall there, that's only if you're Jewish do you get in there. And then only the Holy of Holies in the, in the very center of the temple, that's only one priest can go in there. So it's more and more selective the farther you get in towards the Holy of Holies. Now, where is all this marketplace taking place? It's taking place all around this open area. This is the open area where only the Gentiles are allowed. To, well, not only the Gentiles. The Gentiles are allowed to worship here. Now, I find that curious. Okay, if you're Jewish and you've got Gentiles worshiping, why can't they come in? Well, they're not quite ready for prime time yet. So this is their area. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so why are they not allowed in? That's, that's a whole cultural issue, but here's the greater issue. These Gentiles are in the house of prayer. This is, this is ultimately what the house of prayer is. And the prophets describe this temple that will be built as a house of prayer for all nations. Let me say that one more time. House of prayer for all nations. And that's how they set this up. So all nations can come and pray here. And what is prayer? Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is listening to God. Prayer is that relationship with God. So if I'm a Gentile and I'm in the court of the Gentiles, this is my chance to commune with the creator of the universe in the house of prayer for all nations. Now imagine, this is the, we'll put this into real terms here. Imagine this is the court of the Gentiles, and we are here, and we are Gentiles. We have this one opportunity. We've traveled to Jerusalem. We've done all this wonderful stuff to get here for this great celebration, and it is time to commune with the creator of the universe in prayer, and we are welcome here. And all of a sudden, the back doors open, and 20 people come in and start setting up booths like a church bazaar, like a giant garage sale. And they're clamoring, hey, I gotta get, you, get your program here, you know, whatever. <laughs> right in the middle of my prayer. How does that make me feel? Like the bird on the wire. Like the two, right? But, by the way, you know, when kids do this these days, what that stands for? Loser, that's a giant L, right? But do you know what this means? Loser in 3D. Right? You can use that one. Right? That's what I felt like on that day of the challenge course. That's what the Gentiles are feeling like in the court outside of the temple. Like, not only am I a loser, I'm a loser in 3D. Nobody wants me here. I can't communicate with God. How do you think Jesus feels about that? Well, he's kind of upset about that because he knows he's come to save the world and what he's going to do is allow that communication to happen and here these people are ruining it. They're distracting them. Thank God we don't have any distractions today that keep us from communicating with God. I think my sarcasm meter just pegged there. <laughs> so that was what was going on in the outer court, why Jesus was so upset, why he tries to drive these people away. The second thing was the money changers. They subscribed to YouTube course and you can, too, by the way, to exchange money these days. This is a real course I found. I think I might try it. I don't know. Maybe raise some money for the building, right? So what's with the money? 
Have you ever been to an arcade that you have to put money into a machine and it gives you tokens so that you can play the games? Is that still a thing? Okay, <laughs> good. It's been a while since my kids were at Chuck E. Cheese, right? So yeah, you gotta put your money in and then you got tokens that, and you have to have the tokens to play the game. Well, imagine if you went to Chuck E. Cheese and you put your, I don't know, a, a dollar in and it said, you know what, you should get four tokens, but we're gonna charge you a certain surcharge here, and we're only gonna give you two tokens. We're gonna keep the other two. Wait, what? I, I paid you a dollar, I should get four tokens. Well, today you're getting two. So have fun, and go play. That's exactly what's happening here. Now, the temple only takes Turanian shekels. And the Jewish law said that you had a temple tax that was due. Every time you came to Jerusalem for the annual pilgrimage, you had to pay the temple tax. Well, the temple only accepted the Turanian silver shekel. But that wasn't the common coin of the day. Nobody carried that stuff around. So they had to come in and bring their money to the money changers at the tables. And they would put down their money and they would take a surcharge before they gave the money back. So in other words, they're profiting off these people. In other words, to, to put it in modern day terms, they're coming to the arcade to play the game, but they don't have the tokens. So when they get the tokens, they get some for me, some for you. They don't get the full tokens. And why is Jesus so upset about that? Well, obviously, they're, they're, these people aren't much different than the tax collectors. They're exploiting their own people and profiting from it. And, and some of these people, are, don't, they don't have a lot of money. They meet, this is everything that they can do to get here to Jerusalem. And now they're getting gouged, price gouged. And that's not even the worst of it. You know how I'd mentioned you have to have the token to play the game in the arcade? Well, what's the game that we're playing here? It's communion with God. In other words, these people are holding this over their head in order to communicate with God. In some cases, this was purification rituals, the repentance of sin. If they couldn't get in, they felt like, I will never be rid of this burden of sin. I will carry this weight forever. That's why Jesus is so upset at the money changers. So that's the other thing that's going on, but that's not all. Remember I said that the only people that he talks to are the dove dealers? What's up with the dove dealers? I've always wondered this, right? There must be something about doves that just drives you crazy. <laughs> Well, there was a requirement. Now, people could bring their own sacrifices or they just happened to have sacrifices available for no charge. No, no, for charge, right? Yeah. So the, the wealthy might travel with their own sacrifice. It could be sheep. It could be cattle. It could be goat. You know, it could be something really, really big, right? But the poor people could only afford doves. And I don't know if you've ever traveled with a dove. That's kind of rough, right? I mean, you, know, you put newspaper all over your car, and that, yeah, anyway. So uh, the, the thing that was going on was as people came from this pilgrimage all over, they often didn't travel with their sacrifices, so they sold animals there. Now, if you were the intrepid one that came, oh, what, I brought my bull from my home. I had to strap my kids on the roof of my car because the bull wouldn't fit. But he, now he's in the car, and the kids are riding on top. But I got my bull here. And then there was one other trick that they could pull. They had up their sleeve. They could inspect the animal. Because what was there about the sacrifice? It had to be perfect and unblemished. And they would find a blemish. Say, I'm sorry, your bull is no good here. But we have several perfect ones over here. You see how schmaltzy this is, right? This would just turn anybody off. But Jesus was exceptionally upset at these dove dealers because they were shafting the poor people. 
They were the ones that would say, oh, here's a special deal, two for one. And the Jewish law allowed poor people to buy doves instead of the greater sacrifice because they knew that they were poor. And I think this is why it hit Jesus so hard. If you flip over to Luke 2, 22 through 24, I'll give you the setting here. Jesus has been born to Mary. Joseph has them in this town. There's a Jewish ritual that happens on the eighth day after birth. You take the, the child to the temple, and they are purified, and a lot of other ceremony goes on, but, but I want to read the account of Joseph and Mary taking Jesus to the temple. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male must be consecrated to the Lord and to offer sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves. Hmm. So Jesus' own parents were some of those poor people who offered a pair of doves for his purification. You see why that might have touched a nerve? You're picking on Jesus' mama. You don't mess with his mama, right? So he has exceptionally harsh words for these dove dealers. But in general, it is really about everybody because he's, they are being kept from the community. They're being kept from that access to God. In some cases, they're being kept from being purified, from feeling that they are purified by God. This upsets Jesus enough that Jesus finally gets physical. And so as we look at this story, we can learn some lessons. <clears throat> but I want to examine our own temple, this word serve temple. How are we doing? Are we enabling community or hindering it? Are we helping people to access God and feel the, the weight of sin being lifted? Or are we adding to it? I have some thoughts I want to share with you. First is systems and servants. There are systems that we can put in place that help people feel welcome. How many people have been to someone's house and no one greeted you at the door? I think that's called breaking and entering. <laughs> right? We don't want anybody to break and enter here at WordServe Church. We want them to be met at the door by a smiling face, a shake of the hand, and a, hey, can I help you find anything? Can I introduce you to somebody? See, that makes a place a home. That makes people family. That's just one system. You saw what it's like to not have a tech system. That was ugly. Thanks for cooperating, guys. I appreciate that. I know you probably got some stairs back there, but <laughs> thanks for taking one for the team. Right? So uh, the, the, the welcome part is one thing. But then it doesn't stop there because people come and go. They'll go right through the back door if we don't have a way to connect them. I've got some ideas on how to form a connection team that actually engages people and helps them find a place to fit so that they stick here. Am I interested in sheer numbers? I just want to bolster up WordServe's numbers so we look good? No, I'm interested in making disciples because, folks, that is our mission. And if they drive right through here, it's really hard to make a disciple, but if they park for a while, well, then maybe we have a chance to introduce them to the one that can change their life. So it's about welcoming. It's about connection, and then it's about follow-up, because how many people say, oh, Jesus Christ, I accept him, great. My life is perfect. I never have any other problems. Yeah, that, that's almost as schmarpsy as the, uh, the money changers, right? Yeah, that never happens. So we have systems that welcome, systems that connect, and systems that follow up. But you know what? No system works without servants. 
Servants. And we say servants because we are here to serve others. And why are we here to serve others? Because the one that we follow said, I came not to be served, but to serve. I'll be asking you personally. I'm just giving you a heads up. And I know what you're going to do. You're going to do the same thing that those people at that luncheon did when I had that two on my forehead. Don't make eye contact. Turn the other way. Get, freeze. You know, it's either fight, flight, or freeze, right? That's what's going to happen. But I'm going to be asking you personally to try to plug in to one of these systems. Help us make people feel welcome. Help us connect people, not necessarily here, but to Jesus Christ. Help us to follow up when people struggle or fall off the wagon. We can do this because Jesus first did this for us. And I will be asking. I'm going to stand right at the door. Actually, we're going to lock this door and that door. And no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to be aggressive about it. Well, not too aggressive. Anyway, so the second thing then, so that, that's words are writ large. But I want to talk about us as individuals for just a second. Because I see it as this. There are saints and secret agents that prohibit community. But what do I mean by that? Have you ever been part of a holy huddle? Uh, and now, now, community groups are one thing. That's exactly what we want. We want that where you can be honest, you can be open, you can share. That's where your faith and the rubber meets the road of faith. But a holy huddle is one that is gridlocked. They're, they're all turned inwards. They're arm-in-arm arm gridlocked with each other, and no one can get in. There's no room for anybody else. You're not part of the holy huddle. And what's worse is oftentimes we have our own lingo, don't we? <laughs> I shouldn't... Yeah, okay, I'm going to share it. <laughs> anyway, somebody wrote something about, do you feel the extreme unction? What's unction? <laughs> I don't, that sounds like a medical condition that I need to uh, get help with. But we have our own language, right? We, we talk like Christianese. We talk in lingo that they don't understand. And that while they may be in the group, they don't feel a part of the group. So my encouragement is that, yes, absolutely, have those go-to people, your ride or die, whatever you want to call it, that you go to when you have trouble. And, and you can lock arm in arm, and you can support one, one another. But don't leave it there. Make room for the other. Make them feel welcome. Use language like you would use out there. Why is it that when you come together in a, in a small group and somebody asks you to pray, all of a sudden the thous and arts and wees and these and all that start to come out? Have you ever noticed that? It doesn't happen much at WordServe. You probably might not have noticed. But this dude that I was just talking to starts to pray, and all this King James language starts to come out. I'm like, dude, where'd that come from? That's amazing. What's it mean? I, I can't relate, right? So it, it's one thing to have that specialized lingo, but it, it makes people feel left out. I would encourage you to just speak like normal. That's what Jesus would probably say as well. And when we do that, it can come off as being inauthentic because we're expected to be a certain way in this holy huddle with its specialized language. Well, we can't show depression. We can't show sadness. We can't show anger. We can't show frustration. We can't show our failures, for heaven's sakes. This is a holy huddle. I can't come here and tell you that I failed again. Actually, you can. That's the point. That was the point of the temple. It was the point of the purification, the point of the sacrifice. And Jesus is exceptionally upset because he knows that he will be the perfect sacrifice once and for all and for all. That's what Jesus is dealing with in his anger. The last thing is we have some secret agent Christians 
They're undercover from Monday through Saturday. You might not recognize them because they don't act like Christians. <laughs> they don't act like they're following Jesus at all. They're hard to distinguish from everybody else. So we don't need undercover Christians either. We need you to live out loud. Now, we don't need you to be obnoxious about it, but it's an opportunity to show people who Jesus is. And think about this. If, if the temple was where God's presence was in the Old Testament, and that was the house of prayer for all nations, where is the temple today? We've talked about this. The temple is in us, the Holy Spirit. We are God's temple. So wherever you go, there's an opportunity for people to feel welcome in Christ's presence. But not if our temple is not in order. Is our temple so distracted that they can't hear Jesus? Are our lives so distracted that we're not following Christ anymore and we're indistinguishable as undercover Christians Monday through Saturday? And I would say, uh, if I'm being honest, we're undercover Christians Monday through Saturday and Sunday after 11 p.m., or after 11 a.m., maybe for you 11 p.m., right? So... Who is the target for this? Who are we trying to make welcome? You're probably thinking a picture like this because, well, you got to go get that homeless person that doesn't have any place to belong. And I'm not saying that's not true. That is absolutely true. But word serve, as I look at our community, we don't see a lot of this. Now, if you do, by all means, bring them. Let's make them feel welcome. Let's get them connected to Christ. But you know who we do see more of are people who are maybe materially wealthy but spiritually bankrupt. They might look like this. Now, this is money in the ears of hear no evil, see no evil, and speak no evil. And it's not that money is a problem. I've said this a million times. Money is not the problem. It's not that you have money. Is it does money have you? That's the problem, the love of money. But so many people in this immediate area are so consumed by the cares and concerns of the world that they can't hear God's voice, that they can't see God. And because of those two things, they're not speaking God. Where will they get this from? Well, words are by hope. They'll get it from us. I can't help but wonder, WordServe, when, when people see WordServe, do they feel welcome? When people see the members and the, the regular attenders of WordServe, do they see Christ in us? Let me sum it up this way. Jesus fought for community. That's the story we read today. He drove them out of the temple. Jesus fought for community. Jesus died for community on a cross so that we could all be reconciled. Jesus fought for community. Jesus died for community. The only remaining question then is, will we live for community? That's the question. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus Christ who makes community possible, the true reconciliation, the great sacrifice once and for all, that the whole world might be reconciled to God. God, forgive us when we stand in the way of that. Forgive us when we create distractions. Forgive us as individuals when we fail to follow you because of the world around us or whatever other excuse we tend to lump into that. But God, at the same time as you forgive us, you free us free us to follow you, free us to worship you. You free us from the weight of sin and even the power of death. For this, we are eternally grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.